On our last episode of Dial M for Magic, the gang boards a submarine headed God knows where. Tired, hurt, and emotionally drained from the day's activities, exploring a submarine sounds like a relaxed affair. Or does it? Tune in to Dial M for Magic to find out. Been a while. Been it's a been while. a while. Long while. It's been at least. <laughs> We're recording these back to back so that we can have the holidays off. It's been at least five minutes since we concluded our last session. Oh, we forgot to say happy holidays on our last one. It's not the holidays anymore on this Aww. episode. Well, well, we don't wish you any holidays. happy holidays. I guess because we didn't. Hope say you it got free things from your friends and family. <laughs> yeah, that you celebrated, but then something. subsequently spent money on the, on them. Them, so thus it, well. it was an exchange of goods and services. I hope yeah. you didn't spend any money, but you made a lot of cookies. Consumerism. I'm consumerism. Those cookies. Mm, yes, of course. That was an interesting sentence you made. Yep. Just there. <laughs> yep. I guess I should do a recap here. Last episode, uh, the party successfully got onto a submarine. They had a conversation with one of the escapees, a halfling woman, who dropped the the absolute bomb on them that she's from 2,300 years in the past. She's in from a, the past. In a village far, far away. <laughs> she was flabbergasted by the fact that we are now living in the future. She's completely blown away by both the speedboat and the submarine. Really by the submarine, because that's just... The coolest thing you could do is... uh... (laughs) Henry and I have a fight about submarines. It's ongoing. Yeah, we just learned about it, and I enjoy it. (laughs) A fight implies that both sides have a chance of winning, and you don't, because submarines are cool. There's no submarines in my fantasy books, and Henry's upset about it. It, it solves so many of your plot problems. This is a peek into Henry and Dan's uh, marriage, everyone, just so you know. How is it? Our marriage is underwater, much like a submarine oh! would be if you put it in your book. <laughs> oh, goodness. What's that? Did it torpedo your argument? Oh, dear. Oh, jeez. <laughs> as, as he just slowly cries. He's losing his mind. I've I've been losing my mind since I had to hear about crotch fit. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I apologize to our to our sponsors. We learned more about the past generally, um, some world building stuff, and we entered a submarine. You entered a submarine. You were introduced to Captain Michelle as well as Arno, the bosun of the uh, of the vessel. You were warned about Mr. Gietti, the uh, executive officer, the sinister Locatha. Catfish man. Indeed. Uh, you also inspected your hall of loot. Yes, and, we leveled uh, up and we got loot. We have so And many we leveled now. up. And I would recommend listening to that episode to hear what people leveled up specifically. We're so powerful uh, now. Yeah, you have you have no idea you how... You wouldn't believe how level five we are 
how how low they can fly. So now uh, you are in this little uh, storage room. You've got like a couple oil drums next to you. There's a wall full of tools and maintenance equipment and just stuff that looks like it would be used to operate or fix heavy machinery. So both Herman and Treble feel at home. Treble feels at home because he's used to sleeping next to just a bunch of garbage. And Herman feels at home because <laughs> of all the tools. I don't feel at home, but I'm still at like 13 of my hit points. I would love to sleep and get some back. You can do that if you want. Red um, is a very tired little baby be- now. Before you do that, though, you hear a little like klaxon go off a couple of times. Like a... And then you hear a sound like like a loudspeaker or something going, Vessel is prepared to dive. Ah, <gasps> oh, shit. We going under. The diving bell. And then Literally. you hear inexplicably the sound of a Russian choir singing. <laughs> I just watched Hunt for Red October, Can so it's very fresh in my mind. loves the movie Hunt for Red October. It's his favorite thing. It's one of the best movies to come out of the 90s. No cap. Uh, I would agree. Although Sean Connery can't do any accents at all. Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery. He can do one accent. It's his native accent. The Sean Connery accent. Yes. No, you don't hear a Russian choir. But you do feel momentum as the submarine starts to move forward into the water. And you get that feeling uh, kind of like when an airplane is descending. You get that same feeling as the submarine starts to angle downward. Kind of a queasy, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the pit, in the pit of your stomach, that queasiness. Herman falls over because he doesn't know how to stand in plate armor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Herman falls over because he's like a dog on a car and he can't figure out how to balance. <laughs> he's like a dog in a car wearing plate armor. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what did you say? I said, do our ears pop? The submarine is fully pressurized. Oh, okay. But I guess airplanes are pressurized too and your ears still pop. So I'll say yes, your ears do pop. Okay, that's wild. Um, you're not acclimated to it. The other thing I should mention for you, Herman, uh, submarines are not built with the tall people in mind, which is partially why most of the crew is made up of kobolds and grung and creatures that are generally quite small. So you have to stoop pretty much everywhere you go. So as I explore the ship, I have to roll to see if I hit my head? I'm not going to make you do it every time, but yeah. That... Just assume that you are hitting once, your you head every it. time you go through a doorway. It Just will like... happen at least once. You have to take a quarter point of damage every time you hit. <laughs> roll for frustration? Right. <laughs> Yeah, just imagine how bad your like neck and upper back are gonna feel because you're just constantly hunched. That'd be awful. So more about this submarine. More about this submarine. Yes, yes. More, more intimate details about about how it works. Red just wants to go to sleep. Okay, go. You can you can do that. Unless Kitty has any information to provide to the group. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we all need a rest first. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> All right, that sounds that sounds pretty good to me. I don't suspect anything is unusual. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Great, sounds good. <laughs> can I be the first to roll for where I find a bed? Uh, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> okay, so just roll a d twenty straight up. Yep. All right. 
Straight up, now tell me what your D20 is, baby. Fifteen. Fifteen, okay. You find a berth in the forward torpedo room. Um, <laughs> so you, your hammock is actually slung between two torpedoes. You've got like three or four feet below you of just air. And then Great. your hammock is attached to these racks that hold torpedoes. You are surrounded by a bunch of grung. Some of them are sleeping. Some of the hammocks are empty. So those people are probably working somewhere on the submarine. Have I seen Grung before? Do they live in the no. forests? No, you have not. Not in in this universe. Grung are more like commonly found in deserts or or like tropical regions, and yours is more of a boreal like alpine forest. Okay, I just like wave or nod to acknowledge them, and I go to sleep, <laughs> and I don't try to talk to these Grung right now. Uh, you can hear the sound of Grung speaking to each other, uh, but yeah, you don't you don't pick up on that. Grungi, or whatever their language is called. I think it's called that, and you have to say it like that. Grungi. Grungi. I didn't want did to make the Grung. You did this to yourself. I know. I didn't want to make the Grung from fucking Yorkshire, but I guess we'll work with that. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. So you have found. You've found a place to sleep. Uh, what are the rest of you doing? Katie's just going to kind of put the stuff back in the bag that she dumped, like the gems and stuff. She's going to give the ring of jumping to Herman. Because I feel okay. like it could be good. And be like, uh, 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 Her- Herman, I think this m- might be helpful uh, for you to jump into action. Just... Just think about that. Um, and then everything else she's just going to put in the bag because she doesn't need the ring of swimming right now. And then she's just going to start pouring over all of the notes and things she found because she's just trying to... It, it's She's still in that mindset of, like, so much information has been, been taken in and she just needs to continue taking in information so that she can digest it all and maybe tell some people what she saw in there, but not right now. Red. Um, so let me tell you a few of the things that you find. Cool. To begin with, there is a full roster of every tiers team currently operating in Bastalone, or at least it, that's what it looks like to you. In total, there are 11 teams listed. Actually, I take that back. There are 13 teams listed, including the two that you already knew about. So 11 new names, I should say. So in total, uh, you see Goshawk, Anglerfish, Serpent, Badger, Komodo, Guillotine, Garrett, Stiletto, Leviathan, Black Shark, Kodiak. And then that's in addition to Mantis and Kingfisher. Okay, okay, okay. So 13 in total, okay? Okay, okay. I will post this, this next list in there as well. Uh, The other thing that you find is a list of different operations that they're currently carrying out in the country of Bastalone, or possibly elsewhere. It's not entirely clear. So, interestingly enough, it looks like the actual text underneath each of these is written in some sort of shorthand. That it looks like it might need a codebook to decipher. Okay. But... The other na- the names of the operations themselves are Operation Porcelain Hand, Operation Firetooth, Operation Klondike, 
Operation Kebrin Freedom, he said, looking at the camera. Operation <laughs> Desert Storm. Wait a Oper- second. Operation Out of the Frying Pan. No, uh, Operation <laughs> Tenderloin. Operation Cinderblock. Operation Cousteau. One that's just labeled NUR 23. And Operation Bury the Evidence. Oh, no, uh, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> Momentarily here. Kitty in her mind is thinking, if I ever get back to the regular world again, I'm going to be the most famous journalist in the world because this, <laughs> I've taken a whole goddamn theocracy down. So that is, that is what you find. Cool. Yeah, she's just going to spend that her time, like she's kind of like shutting off from everybody else. She's going to stay in a little storage room. She's going to pull out her notebook and her trusty pen because she made sure she brought those with her. Um, and she's just uh, making notes in in her thing um, about that. Um, oh, also there was dispatches to the floating cities. Yes. So you find a total of four of those. Two of them are, it looks like they're responses to, to what floating cities had sent them and their requests for machine parts and uh additional divers specifically and it looks like like drilling equipment is mentioned so a drill engine components oil that sort of thing so that's two of the requests they're fracking out there we have to stop them damn it that would have been a good twist (laughs) climate change (laughs) this show is about ending climate change this In show is about ending night. a lot of things, but let's see if <laughs> and we And the church and capitalism. <laughs> capitalism, theocracies. And prohibition. Know. And prohibition. Yeah, and prohibition. And prohibition. <laughs> so that's two of the dispatches. Okay. Uh, a third of them, or the third one of them, I should say, appears to be a missive from the prison fortress of Nur um, on the far southern part of the continent. And it's a record of how many prisoners died there that month. And it lists 163 <gasps> prisoners as having perished. In a month? Jesus. What the, the carpenter? Doing? My pal. What indeed? And then the fourth one is from what looks to be, it has like an Abbey symbol that you haven't, like it's got the standard Abbey symbol, but it's embossed with a little harpoon. In reading it, you realize that it's from, like, there's a naval detachment that the Abbey has. Like, these aquatic priests, not a... <laughs> that's aquatic a- <laughs> priests. They're down there preaching to the actual fish people. <laughs> oh, God, that was funny. Uh, well, it wasn't that funny, but aquatic priests would be a great band name. There's a section of the Abbey that kind of rotates through the floating cities that Bastalone controls directly. And it's a message from one of them, from the chapter Friar. And it's a name that you actually recognize, uh, because it's signed from somebody named Quartermain. And in parentheses at the bottom, they wrote Brother Q. <gasps> that, was, that was the Australian! The Australian! Australian! Dun, dun, dun! He had the boomerang! We're going to an island and there are aquatic priests, and I'm really hoping we're going to get, like, a midnight mass crossover happening soon. 
I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because if you ever make your way back to the Maritime Porn Emporium, they'll be debuting Midnight Ass at some <laughs> point. No, no, <laughs> goddammit! <laughs> yeah. That's a story for another time, however. It's a request from this chapter friar, president person, for specifically workers who are skilled at underwater excavation. And he mentions that they're looking for, cryptically enough, they're lo- they think they've found the site of the fourth falling, is what he refers to it as. And they need skilled excavators to make sure that they extract the item without disturbing its contents. This is what they were looking... In the beginning, when they were trying to get Ernest, they wanted him to help with this. I bet. I bet. If you knew. If you knew that, yes. If I knew knew that. (laughs) I'm speaking as a listener now to our own podcast. (laughs) Dan's putting together the clues going, Oh, that's the thing from before! Foreshadowing! (laughs) I, I will also say one other thing at the very end of the of this dispatch. I won't make you real perception for this. This looks like it was written very quickly, almost as if something urgent was happening. It's a dispatch stating that they've had to accelerate their excavation plans because Kebron Navy vessels keep getting close and we don't have the strength to fight them off forever. Okay, that's what Kitty's doing. She learned, she's learning all that information we just got dumped. So, Treble and Herman, what are you doing? Hmm. It's a good-looking question. Good-looking uh, question? <laughs> That's so hot. Such a hot question. So sexy. I guess oh. Herman, Herman's going to go see if he can do some handyman stuff. Go ask the, uh, the captain if he needs help. So, she, uh, uh... She looks at you and is like, well, I'm sure we can find something. Uh, Mr. Arno, will you uh, take him down and have him look at uh, the number four engine? It's a bit of a cramped situation for you, but he kind of leads you into the ba- towards the back of the submarine where there's a giant compartment and you just see a ton of different pistons going up and down in kind of these four blocks four different blocks of pistons going up and down and it's and it's making like it's super loud in there but the kobold motions to you to follow him and then he points at one of these blocks and you can see that one of the pistons is actually broken it's going up and then it's catching and getting stuck and there's this poor grung in there who every time it gets stuck he has this big old mallet and he hits it and it goes back down and then up again and then he hits it and the dude just looks absolutely wiped out. So he kind of just points you at that. If you can fix that, that would be wonderful. It would add, it will add at least 16, no, uh, six knots to our speed, yeah? Let me, let me take a look in there. Let me uh, see what's going on. I think I can, I think I can fix this. I, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Go, uh, go do your best, uh. And he kind of gives you, he tries to pat you on the back, but he can't reach that far. So he ends up patting you on the butt. He's like, eh, whatever. (laughs) And he goes back the way that you came. Herman's going to inspect it for a long time because he has no idea. Yeah, right? (laughs) Like, has Herman ever even seen a goddamn engine? Like, he's a handyman in, like, a building. 
He's never even seen a submarine. He has no idea what he's doing. Fake it till you make it, baby. Yeah. I mean, the city that we're in has cars. He maybe has seen a car. That's called before. a mechanic. A mechanic fixes engines, not a handyman. I'm just saying it's possible he's at least looked at one. I don't know. <laughs> I will say that because you like you worked in kind of a shitty apartment building with like not the best equipment, so like the central heating might have had like a mechanism that looked like it was made of the same material but that's like the closest you would have come probably probably um he's winging it he's winging it um what tools do you have in your inventory i have a hammer right okay well i for some reason thought you had like artisan's tools or something so i guess this might take a bit then as established in herman's handyman corner he just carries a hammer because his solution for everything is just hitting it That's true. Actually, the the Herman's Handyman Corner cinematic universe has est- has established that already. If you have adventuring gear, you also have a crowbar. It just comes standard. So you have a crowbar and a hammer. Okay. For the sake of of where you're at right now, um, the grung who's been hitting this piston with a hammer also has a toolbox next to him. Perfect. I was going to say, the ship's covered in... They, yeah, tools. there's a lot of tools here. Um, I just wasn't sure if it was like, you're one of those purists who only likes to use their special tools. But if your only tool is a hammer, then I guess that sort of limits uh, limits that. So does he does he have to roll for how well he, he fixes this ship? <laughs> so out of game, it looks like the piston is broken and you would need to either weld or otherwise reattach like the piston. In game, uh, I don't know if you would know that and I don't know how you would go about fixing it. So depending <laughs> on what solution you come up with, I'm going to have you roll something different. No, he he's not going to fix it. I'm going to just keep banging on it with different tools. <laughs> and then I'm going to go back to the captain. He'll be like, hey, I'm sorry you got to order a new one. I, uh, there's just nothing I can do. This is You're... A, it's, it's too broken. You need to order a new engine in here, Captain. Uh... <laughs> I thought you meant like order a new submarine. <laughs> just get it from the catalog. You need to order a new crank pump or whatever. <laughs> it, it's like Star Trek where they just come up with techno babble. The main yeah, the yeah. main fusion deflector crank is is giving off neuron particles. It could be a a, a GN uh, DN tube goes nowhere, does nothing. There's literally <laughs> tubes in Star Trek if you look that are labeled that, and that's because that's what they do. They go nowhere, they that, do nothing. That's amazing. <laughs> that's my favorite fun that's... fact about Star Trek. Herman, I suspect you'll be there for a little bit. So, Treble, what are you doing? I'm going to... I can't remember if... On the map, did you say that there was, like, a bear... uh, An armory or anything like that? It's it's lumped into the, like, the actual living quarter area. Um, Kind of... It's sort of... It's also sort of adjacent to, like, the... One of the torpedo rooms at the back of the vessel. Okay. Well, then I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. So, I'm going to head that way. Um, but specifically, uh, Triple's going to try and find some people, some sailors who are gambling. If there's any who are like not working, who are either playing cards or dice or something like that. He's interested in the game, but he's more interested in getting a little bit of information as to where they're going. Um, 
and how, like, kind of who else to avoid on this ship. Because he also knows that specifically Red and Herman are very much out of, I mean, Kitty too, but they're all out of their element. So he's trying to, in his own way, trying to find ways to help keep them safe. And so he's just kind of trying to get a little bit of information about where they're going and who to avoid and stuff like that on the ship. On your way there, you would actually go through the mess hall where people would tend to hang out anyway during their off hours just because you can like get some coffee or get some food and they've got like a chess board in there and packs of cards if you've seen the excellent film das boat you would know that the worst enemy a submariner faces is boredom what a deep cut you know all those das boat fans all those das boat fans out there all two of them but you're able to find some people who appear to be gambling. They've got like these carved whale bones. It almost looks like they're playing dominoes, but with these carved and inked whale bones. And you can see like some pieces of gold and silver and copper kind of flashing between them. There's like, there's four of them. Can I roll something to see if I know how to play this game? Sure, you can roll, I'll call it history in this case. Okay. Ooh, yeah. That's a 23. Huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> he was so not expecting you to know anything. <laughs> I was not, but that's okay. Um, so the game that they're playing is called Whale Road. <laughs> and that's an even deeper cut to Beowulf, the book. That is what poetically the Norse would refer to the ocean as the Whale Road. So... Learn yourself something. All the fun facts. All the fun facts today. It's essentially functioning kind of like dominoes. I don't want to explain the rules of dominoes here, oh, yeah. but you you know, basically this is a game that's very popular for anybody in the nautical industry. So fishermen okay. would play this. You would have seen people yeah. play this when you visited the floating city that you're going to now. Yeah. So this would be, yeah, pretty normal for... um for anybody anybody out here i'm going to look at them and oh do you mind if i uh, get in on the next game so the four people that are clustered around this table there is a triton woman and her uniform has the kebrin flag and it's superimposed or and superimposed over it is like a wrench icon symbol so you could assume probably that she's an engineer there is uh, a pair of grung they're covered in like oil of some sort they're really grubby so you could assume that they're probably also engineers and then there is a kobold who has a thick pair of glasses on and he just has a little chevron on his on his sleeve so he's some sort of officer uh not really clear what that is and the kobold turns and looks at you and says i suppose we've got room for one more and he kind of gestures to a seat next to him looking at the table are they playing for money or are they just playing for for fun yeah they're playing for money you can see some uh, there are coins kind of going back and forth so the pair of Grung are not participating. Right now it seems to be the Kobold and the Triton woman who are be- playing against each other, and they're betting against each other. And then the Grung are betting 
on the outcome of the game. So oh, okay. playing against each other that way. So like bets and then side bets. So I'll throw in once their once their game is over, uh I'll throw in a couple gold. Now are you participating with the grung who are betting on the outcome, or are you actually wanting to play in gamble? I was actually wanting to play in gamble. Ah, okay. So the game wraps up and it looks like the kobold has won. And the Triton woman gets up in disgust, and you can just hear her muttering, stupid offices in there. Bah! And she walks back out of the mess hall uh, towards the engine room. Okay, so I'll take her seat where, where she was at and plunk down three gold on the table. And uh, the kobold looks at the gold and then looks at you and is like, well, you're a very bold one, uh... I hope you've played this game before. I've played once or twice. I see. Well, uh, you seem very nice. It'll be a shame to take your money from you. I feel the same way about you. The kobold kind of squints in confusion, and then the game begins. This version of the game, I don't think actual dominoes involves deception, but there's a certain amount of deception involved in this game. So... I'm going to have you roll uh, three deception checks. Awesome. And based on the, the outcome of those, I'll let you know. Started off strong with a 19, then a 10, then an 11. Okay, so yeah, you started off well, but you clearly, as the game got on, it becomes apparent you got kind of lucky with your first move. And this kobold is able to capitalize you've only got like two whalebone tiles left to play and in order to win the game here you need to roll a 17 or above so or pardon me not 17 16 or above oh come on 20 percent chance 18 yeah oh boy by the barest skin of your teeth you're able to, like, put down a trump tile. The grung, who are still present, are both, like, gobsmacked because they definitely thought you were going to lose. But they start going, and I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it sounds like. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's perfect. In this instance, it's high-pitched, so hooray! The kobold just looks disgusted. Like, he had it in the bag, and then he threw the game away essentially and he tosses the three gold over to you then he's like ha well call that a charity win because it's the only thing you're getting this year and he like turns away and walks uh walks toward the uh the direction of the map room so i'm gonna turn and look at the two grung and say my good grung folk uh May I ask you a question? Well, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> Sassy grung. Okay, so I'm just going to ask. Uh, <laughs> the, the, grung, the grung suddenly sound like Beaker from the Muppets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Beaker's a smartass. Um, well, we're, uh, how, how long is this journey we're going to be on? Well, should be about six and a half days. Give or take. 
while while we're on this boat, is there anyone that uh, maybe we should avoid? I should mention at this point that only one of the Grung is speaking. And when you ask this question about uh, anybody to avoid, the other one perks up. And is like, well, um, <laughs> yes, there are, in fact, several, several people to avoid. Um, the person that you just took the gold from, in fact, you should be careful of Mr. Sims. He has a pronouncedly hot temper. And, uh, he's very mean. Of course, you should be careful of the executive. I love that um, all the grung are Muppets. Mr. Gietti has been known to eat people who displease him. Why do you have that person, if you're a captain, why do you have <laughs> that person on your crew? Because damn it, he gets results. <laughs> he's a little <laughs> rough around the edges, but, but damn it. And that's when ZZ Top would start playing. You have to settle for whoever's willing to live on a boat underwater for months on end. True, well, submarines that, kind that of is suck, true. so... I'm going to let that just go <laughs> into the ether. And by let that go, I mean not do anything about it now, but store it for later. Yes, Fester. The title of this episode is going to be called Submarine Suck. <laughs> <laughs> the title of this episode is going to be Dan and Henry's Intimate Drama of Submarines. <laughs> Peek behind the marriage curtain. Let's let's him. try and beat that. Uh, okay. <laughs> they couldn't. Well, here's here's the other thing to consider, just as an as an out of game thing. There probably is a use for somebody like this Locath on the ship. It, an in universe reason why somebody would put up with that. That's all. That's all I'll say on on that point. Um, that frightens and disturbs me the- in the way it was intended to. Indeed it was, and I'm glad it, it did both of those things. Um, the the high-pitched grung chimes in, Um, but on the plus side, the captain's okay. She's been in, she's been in combat before quite, quite a lot, and uh, the bosun, uh, Mr. Arno, he's a decent sort. Uh, can't complain about him too much, always a helpful, helpful guy. Um, but yeah, uh, Mr. Gietti, who... Oh, you know, he, he fought in the war, too, and, uh, well, it's the darndest thing, but uh, he's, and he kind of lowers his voice here, he's he's an excellent navigator, and uh, he knows all about these local waterways around here, and during the war, you know, this, the Nehekor was, uh, was in combat quite a lot, and that's when he had his accident, so... You know he's uh he's a little jaded he's a little he's a little rough around the edges but yeah he does get results he said looking at the camera okay well i I appreciate your info it confirmed what i thought um and is maybe you can point me in the direction of uh armory i have need of a new weapon if if at all possible of course uh, it is down that passageway, and on your left, right across from the bathroom. Across from the bathroom, okay. Indeed. Um, trouble. Try- trouble gets up. Th- the, uh, as you're leaving, the grung's like, try not to get them mixed up. 
Tremble now knows where the bathroom is, so he's like the most informed of all of us. That's like the most important information we need. So yeah, I'll head to the to the armory. So upon reaching the armory, um, you encounter a warforged. Parts from what you've seen previously with the ship mostly being crewed by, you know, grung and lizards and tritons and such and in fact it's the only warforged on the ship and they are wearing the same uniform as the others the logo is a little bit smudged but it looks like there's a like a hammer not a hammer and sickle like a hammer and a screwdriver on the on the sleeve based on your experience you could probably assume that that's like the quartermaster an entire wall of this armory has just several weapon racks. There are a number of like boarding pikes and spears. There are shorter blades, so you could find a rapier, longsword, broadsword, falchion, whatever. There are also a number of smaller hand-to-hand weapons, so daggers, dirks, a couple of clubs, a copy of James Dobson's Focus on the Family, you know, things that are absolutely <laughs> lethal in, in close quarters. That was another deep cut that probably should, should get cut altogether. No, it needs no, to stay I'm in there for in. our um, niche audience of people who yeah, know Yeah, you know all those niche audience. <laughs> Two people. Oh, yeah, all two of them. Of people with very specific evangelical religious trauma. A copy of Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, that. It's good. Essentially, any basic weapon and most martial weapons you can find here if you want to. So, this Warforged is fashioned out of a kind of a bluish metal and. It also has, like, portions of its body that have uh, tubes of water kind of connected to various segments. So at its its elbow, there's a tube that connects to its shoulder on each side. And on the back of its knee, there's another one that connects to its ankle. And its eyes are covered in this glass coating, almost like uh, goggles for being underwater. And it turns to you and says, Hello, you must be the new, the new pickups. Oh, uh, yes, we, we are the, the refugees. Um, I have a question. I have this longsword knife hold it out to him. I was wondering if I could maybe exchange it for something else. Exchange, you say? Well, that seems fair enough. Um, what do you want? Just a rapier, if I could, please. Hmm, rapier. Tool of a coward. Okay. And he takes your longsword and then tosses you a rapier. Point first in your into your chest. Yeah. <laughs> Throw, he throws it like a javelin through your eye. <laughs> Trouble kind of swishes it through the air. Perfect. Uh, I appreciate it. Say, quick question... When was the last time this boat was attacked? Attacked, huh? Let's see here. And uh, he has like a little desk in the corner of the room, and he goes over to it and opens this log book. He's like, hey, about uh, 36 hours ago, give or take. Oh, I was really hoping you'd just point to a thing at the wall that says days since last attack. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, that would have been funnier. Oh. <laughs> 
I mean, it is essentially that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were some people hunting whales, so we sunk their boat. I guess we attacked them, yeah, so... Yeah, it sounds like they weren't attacked so much as they did attack. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's true. Um, looking back in here, it's probably been about uh, 40 days. We sunk a, uh, a Bastillon freighter. Mm, good. Uh, I guess that was us as well. Um, <laughs> no, let's see here. We don't get attacked too often. We're we're more. Uh, we like to call it proactive aggression. <laughs> or pro proact this proactive is not defense. How I expected this conversation to go. It's it's like how often do you get attacked? Oh, really often. Oh wait, did you mean how often we attack people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they attack yeah. us with their screams while they sink into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> we we tried to show them our peaceful ways by force. Okay. As it turns well, out, uh, we aren't attacked terribly often. Most of the time, it's by sea creatures, and it's not their fault. They're just they're just very stupid. All right. Well, I appreciate the information. And Trouble like leaves just with his eyes. Like he's heard a lot of shit in his days, but that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> so he's just like, um, okay. I guess he's leaving eyes wide. Could you roll perception as well? Ooh, yes, I can. Uh, sixteen. Okay, as you're leaving on the wall to your left, you notice that on this wall there are painted the silhouettes of many ships and you could probably surmise that this is akin to painting tally marks or kill marks y'all we're on a pirate submarine <laughs> so as as treble walks out he's gonna do that thing where you know like where you're trying to try to get a look at something out of the corner of your eye and he does the stop and like pats his side like oh do i got my keys and my phone and he's like looking and he wants to see about how many boats are on this wall like without making it obvious that he's looking at the wall you count about 80 jesus oh dang y'all right. are on a pirate sub <laughs> oh, no. it does appear <laughs> <laughs> when they said like you have to be able to like fight if anything goes down what they meant was like you have to help us attack people <laughs> you have to help us do murder or or fight off giant sea creatures which it's not really trebles forte fighting sea creatures i will say like the guy seemed to insinuate sea creatures are really stupid to attack us because we kill the shit out of them is what i got from that if star wars episode one taught us anything there's always a bigger fish if it taught us anything and, and it, it didn't. didn't okay we were both there <laughs> yep both sometimes there. we're on the same wavelength unless it's about submarines in which case well Nope, I'm, I can't do it. I can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm disengaging. I can't do it. You, as you're leaving, you hear a klaxon go off, and all of you would hear this regardless of where you are in the ship. And whether you're sleeping. And whether you're sleeping or not. And then you hear, general quarters, general quarters. In this instance, uh, the bosun would have told you that when you guys specifically hear that you're to go to the bridge how how much of a rest did i get you probably got eight hours worth got a long rest okay my spells are back cool 
I was stupid and did not take a long rest. (laughs) This is why I took a long rest. I was like, I have no hit points and I have no spells. It's okay. It's okay. Upon making your way to the bridge, you see uh, the captain is at the periscope, Captain Michelle. Uh, You see the bosun, Mr. Arno, and the bosun is standing by a pair of tritons who are manning what looks like the helm and the depth control. So he's supervising there. You also see the unsmiling and sinister face of Mr. Gietti in his in his weird water tube. And the way that the tube is situated in the bridge, he can actually exit the tube. So he's standing outside of it. And you can see that he is missing like the bottom half of his body. And it's been, not the bottom half of it. Yeah, the bottom half slash his tail and one of his legs are replaced with like maybe ceramic or maybe metal. You can't really tell in the light. I thought you were going to pull like a Dr. Loveless from uh, Wild Wild West and he's got like a spider body on the bottom. Oh, God. (laughs) The only reason I remember Wild Wild West is because Burger King did a promotion. And they had the best sunglasses. I had both pairs of those sunglasses. Wow. Yeah. That they were real. so good. They were so cool. They they were really cool. I didn't realize anyone was so passionate about Burger King sunglasses. Yeah. They were really cool <laughs> sunglasses. Or Wild Wild West. But you, you do notice that about Mr. Gietti. He's got like a chart and he has a lizard folk with him. And they're both like, they've got like plotting tools. Like they've got a ruler and like these grease pencils and they're making notations on a chart. The captain turns away from the periscope briefly and speaks to you, the group, and says, We are on our way to rendezvous with our sister ship, the Salusa, but it appears a vessel of the Ransheim Navy is out here, and we're not where we're supposed to be, so you all are going to need to be very quiet. And then you hear... Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Dial M for Magic. Our cast, as always, was Jordan Fugit as Treble, Bobby K. Kuffner as Kitty Bradley, Dan Rogland as Red, Nathan Pierce as Herman Cranberry, and Henry Rogland was our Dungeon Master. All of our artwork was done by Ashley Meisner Terran, and our intro and outro music was done by Alex Hills. Please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or new on Spotify. They have a new rating system, so if you want to leave us a review on there and let us know what you think about the show, we'd love to hear from you. Our next episode will be coming at you on January 20th. We look forward to seeing you then.